everyone. Welcome to my show, Behind the Music. BTM focuses on your experience in the world of music as well as the behind-the-scenes look into the entertainment industry. Today we will get an insight on how performing rights work and get to know the person who is behind this. I'm your host, Julia Plummer. Now, there are three major performing right companies in California. The one we are interviewing today has worked with songwriters, recording artists, music publishers, and more. He has an outstanding contribution to the music industry and great reputation for negotiating contracts. He is the senior VP at CSAC, James Leach. Thank you for coming on to the show. Thank you for having me, Julia. No. It's a pleasure becoming uh, 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 an interviewee of uh, BTM. Now, can you tell me a little bit about yourself? Uh, okay. Name is James Leach. Vice President of Writer-Publisher Relations and West Coast Operations for uh, CSAC, one of the uh, the three performance rights societies. Actually, there, there are now four. There's another company called GRM, Global Rights, Global Music Rights, that uh, that is entered into the marketplace. So, um, but CSAC has been, actually, we're the second oldest performance rights society after ASCAP. There's ASCAP, BMI, CSAC, and GMR. So um, CSAC being the second oldest, having been founded in the 30s, we've been around for quite some time. Um, I've had a varied experience with them. Actually, yesterday marked my, uh, I'm sorry, not yesterday, Monday, actually, marked my 20-year anniversary with, with CSAC. So I've been there a little bit and seen uh, a lot of transitions within the company. And... Uh, you know, the music industry as a whole, uh, where we were back then to where we are now is is very interesting. It's been a very interesting transition. Uh, I work with a lot of songwriters, music producers, and publishers to, uh, to make sure everyone gets paid from the public performance of their work. Uh, whenever, whenever a song is played on the radio, streamed, is performed live, or uh, in a restaurant, any public performance of someone's work, there's a public performance royalty that's due. So performance rights societies are responsible for collecting those those royalties from those different entities and making sure that the writers and publishers that we represent uh, are paid for those performances that, that, that are detected. So it's pretty pretty interesting work. Hmm, nice. Yeah. So I heard you also worked with Michael Jackson. Can you tell me how that was? Yeah, I got my start as a music publisher in the business. Um, I actually started out as an intern uh, working for uh, Michael's company. Um, it's really a funny story. When I when I first interviewed for the job, my boss asked me uh, who my favorite artist were, who my favorite you know favorite singer songwriter, whomever it was. And I immediately said, Prince. He's like, ah, oh, you don't get the job. I was like, why is that? Like, this company's owned by Michael Jackson. I'm like, oh, well, Michael's second, my second choice. Michael and Prince are right up there. So he laughed because he had also worked with uh, Prince as well. But uh, he liked my style, my appreciation for music, and uh, recognized my, uh, my aptitude in what I brought to the table. Uh, and, and being able to not only uh, represent the catalogs, but to be able to find and identify new songwriters 
and opportunities for the company. So um, I started out, like I said, as an intern with them, making uh, tape copy. And, you know, this is before the before CDs actually, and uh, that was in like the late '80s, early '90s. Well, no, late '80s is when I started with the company as an intern and uh, making cassette copies of, of our records and songs that we could send out to other uh, record labels for their artists to listen to and try to identify songs that their their artists might want to record. So I did that, kind of helped uh, coordinate communications between my boss and uh, different publishers or A&R guys that wanted to use our material. Um, I didn't work with Michael directly, although Michael, not, not right off the top. I interfaced with Michael actually years later when... Uh, um, I actually became uh, director of creative affairs for the company and actually ran ATV before Michael closed it. Um, and that's when I had interactions with him. Michael was a very shrewd businessman and uh, very, very, very nice guy. It was a pleasure to work for him and represent uh, the works that, uh, that he came to represent and bring into the company. Some of the some of the catalogs we represented were like Sly and the Family Stone, Little Richard, uh, the Pretenders, which is a rock group from the, from the eighties. Um, some James Brown catalog, uh, some classics from the sixties. See, of course, Michael's work, and then uh, we brought on new writers such as Keith Crouch, Zach Harmon, and Christopher Troy. He did a lot of work with. Uh, uh, Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis, and uh, you know a lot of good stuff. Skylark who wrote System of Survival for Earth, Wind, and Fire. Another gentleman by the name of uh, Sheldon Reynolds, who uh, wrote for Earth, Wind, and Fire as well, and performed with them. I currently represent Sheldon here at CSAC now, so I'm kind of come full circle with some of the folks that that I've worked with in the past. Nice. But yeah, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Can you, can I ask you what inspired you to go into this area? Um, I've always had an interest in, in music and, uh, you know, my first love was either music or film and television. And, uh, when I got out of college, I got a job at a radio station that also had a television station on its premises. So it was kind of like the best of both worlds. Um, I got a chance to work in an environment where both of the things I had been studying about were right there. And it, it was just really by providence that I that I got that job. And, um, you know, was working with, uh, I was actually working in the mailroom. And uh, during the evenings after my regular shift, I would, you know, shadow some of the cameramen and people that were, uh, you know, in, on the production side of things. But during the day, you do different stuff in the mailroom. I'd run out and get uh, tape copy from the news guys to bring back to the station from the various stories that they were covering for the day, uh, which was an interesting job. Um, got a chance to see and learn a lot about the inner workings of a television station and a radio station as well. But being a big fan of music, um, like I said, I was always the guy that was reading the liner notes of 
record, you know, record albums, um, to find out just who did what, what those different positions meant. Uh, there weren't really any classes on the music business that you could take in school at the time. And what was taught in radio really didn't teach you much about the inner workings of at, at a record, at a record company. So that was all kind of, uh, you pretty much had to know somebody back then uh, in order to, to get a job at a record label. It was very rare that one was able to just go and apply and get a job. You'd have to know somebody, either in radio, and they turn you on to somebody, or you had to have a friend or family member who was connected some sort of way. But um, I was fortunate enough to find some internships. But getting back to um, what really turned me on to music was um, again, we go back to Prince. Prince had come by the radio station to visit for an interview with one of the DJs and I was just coming back from a run in uh, you know in just enough time to run down to the radio station to see Prince drive off in this vet this purple vet. I'm like oh man, miss the cat missed the interview and then shortly behind that Corvette was a black Porsche Turbo Carrera and I was a big Porsche fan so I asked the, the guys at radio I was like well who, who I know that was Prince that just left who's the other cat I'm like oh that's the record company guy he hangs out with Prince and then a bell went off in my head I was like oh okay now we got to figure out how to get inside a record company because I want a Porsche. I want a Porsche like that. <laughs> and I want to hang out with, with you know, stars, with my favorite recording artists and whatnot. So um, that didn't happen. <laughs> About uh, eight to nine months after that incident, though, I got a call from some cousins of mine who were building a recording studio in Orange County and asked me if I would want to come down and work with them and help launching the studio and uh, working with their production company that they were going to create. And I took that job. I took that opportunity and did that and ran uh, their production company for like five years. After leaving that gig, I uh, came back up here um, into L.A. to try to work on the insides of the business. By that time, you know, a few schools, UCLA Extension School in particular, they were offering classes on the music business, primarily recording and uh, engineering and things like that. But one of our an attorney that used to represent our recording studio and production company, it started teaching a course on how to break into the music business. And I just happened to see him run or his ad in the extension school catalog, called him up, asked him and asked him if he would be you know, a waste of time, or if I really want to get into the business, would this be a good course? And he said, well, you know, come on down, audit the class and see if it's something you want to do. Took him up on that, audited the class and found it was definitely something that I wanted to do and in and, and decided to go ahead and enroll and uh, began learning there. I'd say maybe four weeks into the course, uh, a position became available to intern at a company called Famous Music Publishing, which was the production, the, excuse me, the music publishing company 
for Paramount Pictures. And they controlled a lot of music, like Coming to America. Any, most of the films that Paramount Pictures released, they had, uh, you know, they controlled those works. In addition to new songwriters that they had that were, uh, you know, writing things for a lot of, a lot of uh, chart, charting recording artists at the time. What so some, I started working. I'm sorry? What are some things you wish you knew before joining Seaside? What are some of the things I wish I knew? Um, I don't know that I can really even answer that. It wasn't that I didn't feel I was, wasn't prepared for the job. I looked at that job as uh, an extension of what I used to do as a music publisher. And I saw like differences in, as a music publisher, I got to work with ASCAP and BMI, not so much CSAC because they really didn't have a presence here in Los Angeles at that time. And they were primarily very heavily involved in country music. So I really had no inner workings with them, uh, with you know, except for a few writers that we represented at the publishing company. But they didn't really have that much interaction with CSAC at the time. So um, I was aware of them, but I didn't really work with them. Uh, I was aware of what you know ASCAP did and what BMI did, and uh, the differences between the two. And so when I came into the job at CSAC, I, I kind of took those experiences and those. Uh, those cues that I that I picked up as a music publisher and decided to do what I did at CSAC, you know, and make it a little different and make sure that our writers were much more, uh, um, I, I don't know, uh, that they didn't have any issues that I had seen other writers having at other societies. So I tried to minimize the, that, that uh, those kinds of experiences for the writers that we represented. So I really, I, I really can't say that there's something, there's anything that I wish I knew before taking the job. You know, did you ever? I just kind of to... jumped in, full, you know, both feet and just went for it. Did you ever get to work with overseas artists by any chance? Overseas, uh, some, some, not, not really a lot. Most of our, you know, only, not really, not really. We just had a few writers that. Uh, um, worked here in the United States and had placements overseas, but uh, but we didn't have any folks that were overseas and really, you know, interacted with the company that often or that were signed to us. Can you explain what makes CSAC stand out from the other performing performing rights organizations? Sure, sure. We're a lot smaller than the other two societies. We uh, are a non-for-profit. We're a for-profit company, which um, you know forces us to be a little bit more focused on the writers that we. Well, not that they're not focused, but we have a uh, we have a focus in trying to bring on folks that we feel will be, uh, you know, obviously positive earners for the company, and not just people that sign up because they feel they need to sign up. And, uh, you know, they, they think it's cool to be associated with a performing rights society and, and they're not really being as productive as they could be. Um, we kind of avoid going down that lane with writers and focus on people that are actually generating income and, and uh, you know, writing material that has the, 
the ability to get recorded and, and earn, you know, earnings for the company. We're a lot smaller than the other two, which allows us to be a little bit more hands-on. I didn't say a little bit, a lot more hands-on with our writers and uh, publishers that we represent. Was there ever... the kind of personalized attention that they're looking for. Was there ever a time your company was in, like, in a major crisis? And how did you guys handle it during that time? Major crisis, major crisis. Um, I don't know that there was a major crisis, per se. But there were there was some uh, negotiations that were going on when there was a development of the uh, the Music Monetization Act, and there was some you know writers that felt that we were not in favor of, of uh, what the initiatives in that act stood for, which was incorrect. We uh, we were totally in support and do support the Music Modernization Act and the MLC. And we're very instrumental in making sure that those things came to fruition. So, but but for a little while there, there was uh, there was some folks that didn't understand our position, and uh, we you know, eventually they understood where we were coming from. But they, you know, there really wasn't any kind of a crisis that I can think of that uh, we had to deal with. Nothing that comes to mind. Were there any artists that doesn't that like wouldn't follow the rules or cooperate with you guys? What would you do? Uh, we let them go. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, when you say wouldn't cooperate, would I mean it's it, it's really it's really not um, not a matter of not cooperating. It wouldn't be to their advantage not to cooperate. You know. Um, by cooperating, they would be registering their material, um, make so that we're able to and uploading it into our database, so that we're able to go ahead and, and collect their monies for them. So if they're not cooperating, they're only hurting themselves because there's no way to go back and collect royalties that uh, are past their earnings period, you know, or especially peak earnings period. So let's say you had a hit that came out last week and it's blown up on the charts all over the place billboard charts streaming charts what have you and it's very successful but the song's not registered so and they don't register it until a year from now well a year from now the song's not going to be as hot as it was back then and we may be able to go back and collect and pay them on earnings that were uh you know that were done in this year but we may not, depending on the length and time it takes for them to register their material. Sometimes people don't get it, and we don't hear back from them for like two years, three years, after something's, you know, or five, after something's well past its earnings period. We can only pay them on what is, uh, you know, what's currently happening with the song. And, you know, those earnings are gone, you know. Any, so, any future plans you look forward to working on? Any future plans? Uh, yeah, there's a few things that I've got cooking in terms of songwriters and, and producers that I want to bring on board. Nothing I can really discuss right now, but I've got some really unique writers that I'm looking at as well as some uh, uh, producer teams that are doing a lot of work in, in uh, Afrobeats music um, and a lot of the uh, electronic hip-hop that's coming along 
Are there any artists that you really want to work with that you haven't got a chance to it yet? Uh, not really. Not that I can think of. Not that I can think of. I, I kind of... Yeah, not, not really. <laughs> not to say I've worked with everybody, but uh, I'm pretty much able to... to uh, if I have a song or I have a group of writers or a writer or producer that I think is uh, is uh, good for a collaboration, I'll go ahead and put that together. And uh, usually I'm pretty successful at doing that. So I've been blessed in that regard. Um, but yeah, no, nothing that I can, that, that's like on a bucket list that I have to do right now. How do you keep yourself organized with all this work? Ah, oh, that's a good question. You kind of, you know, I've got a planner that I use. My, obviously, my uh, my Outlook calendar is very helpful. It, it keeps me on point. And a uh, combination of that and uh, my uh, my trusty iPhone and my to-do planners that are in there. So, and just keep, a, I also keep a running tab in my head of what I'm working on that's, uh, you know, that's a priority and things that are, um, you know, issues that are pressing or writers that in particular need, uh, need special attention. Yeah. Are there any books that you read that like helped you get to where you are right now that like helped you get a sort of idea? Oh, of, um... Yeah, there's, there's a lot of books. Um, all You Need to Know About the Music Business by Donald Passman is an excellent book. Um, yeah, they, you know, All You Need to Know About the Music Business is good. Uh, this Business of Music is another good book. Um, the Ultimate Book on Songwriting. Let's see, what else, what else? What else? There's a ton of stuff, a lot of biographies that I've read. Uh, business books, How To by Ram Charan. Um, let's see, let's see. The Book of Five Rings, which is a good business book. It's, it's actually a philosophy book. Um, let me think, what else? Yeah, there's, there's a ton of books, Julia. Those are just a few. Is there any advice you can give? To anybody who also wants to work in the in the music life? business, yeah, yeah, um, identify what it is that you wish to do in the business. Once you've understood that, once you have that understanding, that clarity, read as much as you can and research as much as you can about that 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 particular area of the business, and make sure you truly understand. You truly understand the inner workings of the business as well as the uh, the um, job at hand, and always look at with the end game or try to plan uh, a, a path for yourself. Because in the music business, there's not any one way to do to move from from job to job or, or opportunity to opportunity, um, and you may find that one door that you go down, one lane you go into leads you into something, another area that, that may be, may be of more interest to you. And you want to take that and kind of 
he may you know may change direction at some point in time. And uh, you know, also following your passion. Be very passionate about what it is that you do. Yeah, because the passion will make a way for your success. Whether you're moving in that lane as an executive or as a, a you know artist, songwriter, producer, you know, be sincere, be committed to what you're doing, and really love it. You really have to love it. You know. So that would be my advice. James Lee, thank you so much for telling us so much about the business and it was oh, a pleasure having you today my pleasure helping my pleasure again guys again everyone this is james leach and for more information on james leach go to kpcrradio.com james i want to thank you one more time for having us today i mean coming oh, here today <laughs> my pleasure julia thank you for inviting me thank you and for our next show, we will have Carl Crawford talking about his experience owning a record label. I want to thank you all for listening. I'm Julia Plummer, and I hope you will join me next week. Thank you. Bye-bye.